Welcome to Books, Kids, and Creations, a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Tracy Bloom, and today I have the privilege of speaking with Kim Tomzik, an author, an award-winning author out of Arizona. Kim, thank you so much for being here today. Tracy, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be a guest. Thank you. Well, you have done some incredible work. Um, I had the, the very, very... Um, enjoyable time reading this new book of yours, The Elephants Come Home, but you've, you've put out a few other books as well. Um, when did you start writing books? Oh, okay. Thanks for that question. I started, I, first of all, I probably started when I was five and I plagiarized my sister's story. I'm sure <laughs> about a cloud that was in the sky, but I can't quite remember it. Um, but I, I, in my 20s, which was many years ago, I thought I should write a choose your own adventure book. And so I wrote and tried to illustrate this very didactic book. It's horrible. And then put that aside, wrote with some friends, like an idea for 365 great dates and outings to have put that aside. And it was when my son was in third grade and I read to my children every single night, loved reading with them. We had finished off all of the Richard Peck books and we loved reading Richard Peck. Here lies the librarian a long way from Chicago, a year down, uh, a year. Oh, I can't remember. Yeah. A long, yeah. Anyways, we loved Richard Peck. And so all the Blossom Cult books, we read them all and we ran out. And so I was like, I'll write a, a Richard Peck book like anybody can just do that. No, but I sat down for a year and tried writing my first novel. And it's fun to look back on that because it's just horrible. But it was such a great launching point because I wrote it, then I sent it to um, somebody who advertised that they edited books. And when after she was such a great um, critiquer, I really appreciate that. That's can't even remember her name, but I appreciate that. That's who I landed with because she gave me the positives and the opportunities. Right. And, you know, at the end of hearing that, because I lead, live life with just this like positive, rosy outlook, even though she told me all the flaws, I was like, so is it ready to send off? And she was like, no, <laughs> no, no. And I said, what should I do? And she said, you should join a professional organization like Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. Mm -hmm. So I joined and started attending conferences and Author Connect events. And wow, that's a long-winded answer. But that is how I, <laughs> that's how I got started. And I really appreciated the education that conferences gave me because it gave me an education and craft. It gave me insight on how to be professional in the publishing industry and what that means. Like, you know, don't write a 3000 word book and try to call it a picture book right. because, or a novel because it just, that just, 
doesn't fit in those categories. Or don't say, I wrote a YA novel with a nine-year-old protagonist because those two things don't go together. Right. So, yeah, I learned so much from that experience. Yeah, well, and I think it's, it's so cool to be able to look back on early work and see how far you've come. Because, right? yeah, like there's, I know like some of the early stuff that I wrote, like I, I put out a novel forever ago, like 2014. And I went back and I rewrote the entire thing because I went, this is not even a reflection of who I am. Like this is right. what my writing style has evolved to. So I went back and I redid the whole series, but it was like, I was kind of embarrassed. Like, I hope nobody read that early version. <laughs> and what a beautiful thing to be able to recognize that and look back at that and be so grateful to the agents and editors who said no to that early work, because wouldn't we be so embarrassed if that was on a bookshelf somewhere? Right, right. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so for, for this book, the, um, the Elephants Come Home, how did you find the inspiration for this? Because it takes place in a different country. Um, it has you know, this beautiful story of real people who did exist, who had this sanctuary. How did you, how did you come to find their story and then put it into such a beautiful book? Oh, thank you for framing that question in such a beautiful way. I appreciate that. So I was in a yoga class in Boulder, Colorado with Suzanne and she, her, um, intention for the class was that we are all connected, whether we're in South Africa or the United States, whether we're a human or an animal, there is a connection for all of us. And she read just a short blurb from the New York Times about Lawrence Anthony. And that's how the class started. And I'm like in my down dog thinking, I cannot wait to race home and start researching this because I was so fascinated by his supernatural connection with the animals. And um, I love science and I love magic and both were happening at the same time. So that was that was the beginning of the inspiration and so i researched every article that i could find on lawrence anthony i read lawrence anthony and graham spence's book the elephant whisperer and um i was so fascinated with ev- with everything i couldn't be sated I just had to know more and more and more. And then when it was an appropriate amount of time had gone by, I reached out to Lawrence Anthony's widow and was able to ask her questions. And because it's nonfiction, I feel like my research never stops because I want to make sure everything is correct, that I relate everything accurately. And so my husband was going to Africa on a journey to rescue rhinos. And so he teamed up with the people with Rhinos Without Borders and showed up in an undisclosed area to rescue animals 
rhinos from a highly poached area and then transport them to uh, a reserve or a safe zone where there's no hunting. And so before his trip to Africa, I said, I need one more interview and some photos around Tula Tula. Will you please go meet with Francoise? And he said, uh, Africa's a huge continent. Right. And I said, and you owe me, buddy. So you need to show up and get that interview. And so, of course, he said yes. And he sat down with Francoise and showed her the text of my manuscript, had her, you know, just, I just wanted to make sure nothing is off. And it was such an incredible experience. So I got to hear the interview. My daughter was a semester abroad somewhere else. So I went to visit her. He was already there, but he recorded the interview. I got to hear it. It was magical. I could hear the jungle noises and, ah, it was wonderful. And I didn't even really get a feel for how big the space was until uh, you do such a good job in this book with giving a lay of the land and even saying like, this was 12 hour journey from where the elephants were back to the house. And I went, dang, how big is this place? Like, right, right, right. Which is so incredible. The elephants could be anywhere. And, you know, one of the things that's not in the book, like there's a million facts I would have loved to have included in the book because the elephants and Lawrence's relationship was so incredible. And um, I, it, so one of the things that is not included in the book is every single time he would take a business trip somewhere, he'd have to speak somewhere or whatever he was doing. When his plane landed, the elephants, wherever they were on that 11,000 acres, they would meet him at the gate when his Jeep would arrive to greet him. That's And I know in the elephant whisperer, he says that one time he missed his connecting flight and the elephants were seen turning around like, oh, he missed it. And they went back into the jungle. Is that crazy? There's um, talk about math and science. I, I'm reading a book called well, um, by Hannah Fry, but it's about um, the math and science of the entire universe and how things work. And she talks about wow. kinetic um, thinking, just a little oh. bit it's like a quantum, quantum thinking or something like that. Wow. Um, and, and it talks about how in that theory, people or animals or whatever can communicate almost like telepathically um, through these quantum particles or quantum thinking or something. Wow. Obviously, I'm not a scientist, so it's like super outside. Fascinating. Else, but, but I thought of that when I was reading it last night um, and I thought of your book and I went, I wonder <gasps> maybe like the elephants have like some kind of like superpower, you know, that I mean, they have to have. Yes. Um, higher intelligence or higher something going on to where they have that connection to him. And I like that you have, um, gosh, the book is so good. I cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's so good. Um, but you have such a great way with saying the most powerful things in such concise ways that I was like, whoa, that's so powerful. Um, but you have a part in there where, um, he's viewing 
people are viewing the elephants as rowdy, unruly, bad. And he's saying they're scared. They're this, they're that. So like he's connecting with them on a whole different compassionate level where other people have given up and they're like, you know, take them. Right. I just thought that was so powerful. You know, how you framed it like that. Thank you. It was really important for me to frame it that way. That was very, that, you know, you see three words and you don't realize an author spent six months on those three words, right? <laughs> um, but those, though, that framing was so important to me mm-hmm. because when I originally wrote the story, I loved it informationally. I loved it for the mere facts. I was a history major at the University of Texas. So I love information. And my editor, Melissa Manlove, she's like, I love it too, but there's something missing. Hmm. And so when I sat with that, that knowledge and she was right, I was like, something's missing. What is it? What is it? And so I went to additional conferences and I just listened and there was a session called first pages at a conference and first pages are when you have a panel of agents and editors and authors submit just the first page of their book and the agent editor gives the unfiltered feedback of and they submitted anonymously so you don't even have the name the agent or editor gives the unfiltered feedback of this is what we would be saying in our office or with our team and whether we would turn the page or not and it was and everybody can submit but maybe you only have time for hearing 30 before time is up mine was not my first page i don't even know if i submitted a first page but it, it was not read. But what I did hear is feedback from 30 other manuscripts. And I could sit there and receive because nothing personal was on the line. And I listened and I listened and I listened and I realized the common thread was, where is the placeholder for the child's emotions? Oh. And I realized I needed to reframe the book to to have that the elephants be the placeholder for the child's emotions when they are being called rowdy, unruly, naughty, something else is going on with them too, yeah. right? Yeah. And so that was important and I'm so glad you felt it and noticed yeah. that. Well, and I think it to your point, it can be said and felt by a lot of kids where they might have a whole bunch of stuff going on at home and they're acting mm-hmm or they're doing these things, you know? So it's just like this, oh, it's so beautiful, I love it. Thank you. My daughter is a speech pathologist yeah. and her um, her whole thesis in grad school was about building trust-based relationships. And prior to connecting with a tr- child, if you build that trust-based relationship, you can then connect on other things. And I feel like the elephants were the same. Lawrence had to build that trust-based relationship to go to the next level. And I, I like how you also, in the book, you talk about how he does, how he did that. He went and he, he played music for them. He camped by them. He did these things because it wasn't like a, you live here now, 
we're friends. Like it was like a right. very evolutionary, like any friendship would be. I, it was just so beautiful how the whole story was. And I, I can't even imagine what it would be like for his wife to have witnessed this for the people who witnessed it. I mean, how incredible it would have been to be a part of the journey and to right. stay part of the sanctuary. Um, so how long did it take you, I guess, from start to finish with this? Because I mean, it seems like you, you wrote it and then you had some downtime to think and reflect, which is very powerful because a lot of authors, I think they cram it through and they go, this is it, it's done. But then it's, it seems like you're very uh, reflective with it. This one took me longer than any of my other books. In fact, I can't even give you a number of how long it took me to write it because it is the first book that I sold, but it's my most recent book that released. Hmm. So I sold this book in 2013. Oh. It released in 2021. Oh my gosh. Right. But when I sold it, it has, it has shifted and transitioned. It just was sold and yet not quite, it just needed those tweaks, those little somethings. And so while we were waiting for the illustrator, Hadley Hooper, by the way, is fire. She's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I could not dream of more beautiful art. Yeah. So while that was happening, I could still keep reflecting. And I love Hadley's intention of also really honoring the nonfiction element. I mean, she wrote to me, what's the biome? What are the, you know, she wanted to know everything. So she got the birds in the background and, and the vegetation in the background, right. Right. Yeah. Which was so beautiful. You so it's so about that too. You talk about the trees that are there and the birds that are there and like this beautiful mm -hmm. landscape that exists so that kids can also learn about the nature aspect of it too. Right. Yes. And like you said, it also shows the vastness, you know, just having that, those placement of where things are. Yeah. I like that also at the end, I mean, besides your incredible illustrator, you also have a whole list of, um, well, you have a wonderful author's note at the end, but you also have all of your works cited. I mean, you have like these pages <laughs> of works cited, but you also acknowledge all of the people that helped you with critiquing um the editors the agent the i mean everything like of oh, this it kind of takes a village to make a book type of thing and i it think does so important um that you did that in here i would be nothing without my critique group and sometimes it's not even just the feedback that i receive but when i'm critiquing somebody else's work I definitely then realize, oh, and I did that too. <laughs> so it helps me think deeper about craft. If, if anybody wants to be a writer, they need to one, be a reader first and read voraciously. Mm -hmm. And they absolutely should have a critiquing group. I, I, would, I would have no books without a critiquing group. Now, did you find your critiquing group through Society of Children's Books, Writers, Illustrators? I did. Let me think. 
after I joined the organization, I started hosting free like author events at my house. And it started out with six of us and then eight of us and then 15 of us and then 32 of us. I mean, we would just gather and it was so great to be creative together and share energy together and be excited, celebrate each other. And through that, I formed a picture book group. And through that, I I found my initial critiquing group, I think through an SCBWI like posting. And then, so I have my two different groups. Yeah, I know that. So I, I joined um, there a while back, but I've never attended any of the in-person events. Oh. Like, I mean, especially from what you're saying that they're well worth it, especially like the conferences and stuff. Yes, they are well worth it. Whether you just want to sit back and listen, whether you want to connect with people, it's just nice. What's really nice is attending some of the um, free author connect events first, building a small group of people where you recognize their faces so that when you show up at the conference, you are there and then you're like, oh, I have a few friends here. There's something charming about you meet somebody for the first time, it's awkward and uncomfortable, but somehow magically the second time you see them, you feel a closeness like, oh, we've, we've been through the awkwardness together. Now we get to just be friends. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have, um, I know I saw that you have another book coming out. Is that this year or next year? In 2023, I have a middle grade epistolary coming out. And that is, isn't that a fancy word? Alana K. Arnold taught me all my fancy words, just FYI, shout out to her. So that is basically a diary type book, like diary of a wimpy kid. And I co-wrote it with cartoonist Mark Parisi, who is incredibly funny. So it's a, he said, she said diary. Awesome. Called the truth about fifth grade. Oh, that's awesome. So fun. So I had the best time writing it. Mark is hilarious. If you follow him, he is off the mark. And he, in fact, he just won the Rubin award for cartoonist panels. Wow. It's like the big Academy awards for cartoonist. So that's so cool. Yes. Anyways, I'm so excited about that book that comes out with Harper Collins in okay. summer 2023. That's so exciting. And so did you write the he said parts and the she said parts? No, Mark wrote. So I wrote from a character. Her name is Charlie from her perspective about the truth about fifth grade. Teed up some stuff for Mark to write Alex's version of what he thinks really happens. But of course, my character is right. Of course. course. (laughs) And I'm glad Mark's not here to argue that. (laughs) That's so awesome. Um, And then I guess, aside from my new awesome book, um, what else do you have on the horizon for you? Oh, so I just finished grad school because I wanted to be able to teach at the university level. So I went to Hamlin got my MFAC and I will be teaching at in the master's program at Southern New Hampshire University and at UCLA Extensions. That's so yeah, I'm so excited. 
teachers are just so important. I agree. I think especially uh, elementary, middle school, high school teachers. Wow. I so admire how they've um, survived through the last couple of years. I have always loved teaching at conferences and I, you know, I'm so passionate about writing. I'm so passionate about this industry. And so the opportunity to help bring others up in the metaphorical elevator, I love seeing others achieve. And so I just wanted to be able to teach at the university level where people who are signing up for classes that centered in children's literature, children's writing, um, or that's definitely a true passion. I want to be there for them. So I'm really, really excited. Just designed my syllabus for the UCLA class, and that will be in September. Cool. That's so exciting. You know, there is something to be said about the university teacher's impact. Because I remember when I was going in, you know, through college, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I just felt completely lost. I knew I liked writing. I knew I liked poetry. I knew that I felt really like this peaceful escape almost when I was in the writing space. But I didn't know that you could have a career in it. I didn't, I thought that you had to pick, you know, lawyer, doctor, engineer, like the main key things that they present. Like I didn't know other ways. And I didn't really find that spark until a poetry teacher like kind of sat me down and talked to me about writing and all the different things you can do. So it was like, oh, like a little light bulb. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. You are so right. Yes. You are absolutely right. And while you were talking, I was thinking of um, a story, Brian Collier, the, the fabulous illustrator, um, was saying that he was a football player, but he also liked art. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I, I might be getting the story wrong, but I think it was a university professor who's like, you are really good at this. And he's like, I'm going to choose to honor my art. And thank goodness he did. Yeah. Dave the Potter, one of my favorite books. So, yeah. So I, I can only imagine that you're going to be like that torchbearer for, for many kids. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. And for those of you who are those listeners who want to go and pick up the elephants come home, um, anywhere you can really get a book, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, um, your local indie. Yeah. Local indie stores. Yep. And it is one of the best books that I've read in quite some time. I love it so much. It's very moving. It's, it's educational. I love it. So those listening, go get it. (laughs) And she sent stickers and it was awesome. (laughs) Tracy, you are so fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. For me too. Thank you so much. Thank you.